NHL in a nutshell. I am your host, Hunter Miller. Glad to be back with my faithful listeners. If you haven't caught up with us before, this is how it's going to work. There's going to be a quick 10 minutes, 15 minute show just to recap what's gone on in the NHL the last couple uh, last couple weeks. Want you guys to feel comfortable having that conversation with your friends outside, uh, you know, places of work or who are heavily involved in the NHL or heavily focused on the NHL and I want you to have something to talk to them about. So that's why I am here. I'm going to catch you up over or catch you up about, about the last couple weeks in the game and how it's looked and that's how this podcast has been going and I think it's been working pretty well. We've had some pretty interesting guests. This episode includes a, a quick interview with Brent Wallace, host of Coming In Hot podcast with Bobby Ryan. And last episode, we talked to Dave Festchuk, so we'll continue to work uh, work with guys like that, get the inside information about what the inside the NHL dressing room may look like and what's going on with these teams. But we'll start off with uh, the Edmonton Oilers. I haven't mentioned the Oilers a lot, but there's a lot to, to mention since uh, the last episode that I recorded. They decided to fire their head coach, which I did mention, and they brought in Chris Knockblock, and you know through the first couple of games it was a little bit of a a little bit of a struggle. They lose four games. Um, I didn't like the hiring of Chris Knockblock. He was the junior coach for Connor McDavid, and I the way that the Oilers have been looking or have been running their team, they've been looking at bringing in guys who are involved with McDavid they brought in Connor Brown which hopefully they or they wanted to spice up the lineup a little bit and give McDavid someone on the wing to play with we've seen Nuge try uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman we've seen both those things tried and just hasn't worked out in the playoffs so they brought in Connor Brown who played in Erie with McDavid and so that was step one of what I saw then longtime agent of Connor McDavid was brought in Jeff Jackson as the president and CEO of the Edmonton Oilers. Agent kind of being hired on in such an uh, important role was kind of fishy to me. And that's kind of where it, it started to pay attention. Okay, this organization, these owners are really concerned about the future of McDavid and what he means to this team. He's got two years left on his current contract. And if they don't win something, he you know, I personally can't speak for him, but I would I would want to go somewhere else, see who can win. But if you surround guys like you surround him with guys like Connor Brown, like Jeff Jackson, who he's comfortable with, maybe that'll you know, maybe that'll make him feel a little bit comfortable. That's where it all started. And now you bring in his OHL coach and to me it seems kind of embarrassing that you're just surrounding this superstar with people who we can be comfortable around to try and keep them around and well, they're not saying that publicly but that's kind of the sense I'm feeling people are saying that McDavid's pulling the strings he's gone on record saying he doesn't like that he doesn't he doesn't feel like he's pulling the strings maybe not but it's still embarrassing for the organization to treat him like a little baby who needs to be surrounded he's he's the best player in the league and they need to start treating him like that they beat up on Anaheim, winning 8-2. That was pretty impressive. Jeff Skinner's only allowed two goals against in his last couple of games. So that uh, that's something. So we'll move on <clears throat> to 
situation is Chicago, and Chicago has a bad history of covering things up, unfortunately, and they're doing it again here. Corey Perry is was announced that he'll be away from the team. Um, it's a whole fishy situation because Kyle Davidson, the GM of Chicago, came out and said, you know, it's a it's a team's decision. We're going to keep him out of the lineup. We're going to keep him away from the front the team right now. And then the agent of Corey Perry released a statement saying Corey Perry's taking some time with his family. First and foremost, I hope Corey Perry's okay. There's been a ton of speculation though, which I hate because. Uh, you know who knows if, if any of it's accurate and if it's not Chicago could just say hey this is what's going on because now we're contradicting they're contradicting themselves or the agent is contradicting themselves by saying two completely opposite things I just think this whole Corey Perry thing has not been handled well from the Chicago Blackhawks last little bit of news this is a little bit of a rant because Department of Player Safety has been very inconsistent for the league for so very long. And a few days ago, not meaning to date the podcast, but Jacob Truba high-sticked um, a player on Boston, basically swung his stick and hit him in the head like he was swinging a baseball bat. And you would think, you know, that's an easy suspension. We've seen suspensions for far much worse. He gets a little slap on the wrist for a guy making eight million. They find him five thousand dollars. I just, I, I hate the inconsistency that we're working with, with the Department of Player Safety. I think it could be so much better, and it's so frustrating to see situations like this continue to happen. Truba, I love him as a player. He owned it afterwards. He said, "You know, I can't let, I can't let that happen. The stick got away from me, and there's no excuse for it." He's taking responsibility. Given the suspension to show that that's not okay. I just think it's super easy just to, to hand over a little suspension and allow him, allow other players in the league to say, hey, maybe not take a swing at someone's head with a stick or else, you know, it's going to be more than a $5,000 fine. Now, I had the privilege, excuse me, privilege to talk with Brent Wallace, host of Coming In Hot Podcast, about the Ottawa Senators and their recent struggle. I started off the show by asking him what he has seen over the first 20 games in the season, and this is what he had to say. Well, Hunter, if you or I or anybody knows that question outside of Pierre Dorian or DJ Smith, we would probably be working for the organization. I don't know the answer. Uh, Is it firing the coach? I don't think so. I remember like they did win four in a row and everybody was praising everybody and said, Oh, the turnaround is fine. We're all good now. And now that they're in this six game losing streak, it's like, well, let's throw everybody out and get rid of them. So uh, fans are very finicky. Obviously they're very temperamental. They want immediate results. I I get it. We were told at the beginning of the summer and throughout the summer, this is going to be a competitive hockey team. This team is going to be one that's going to compete after December and it's going to be competitive during the trade deadline. And now we're right back to where we've been the last couple of years. I, I think that there's obviously a personnel issue. Uh, I think they just bolstered this lineup in order to make it good for a sale and make it exciting uh, for prospective buyers. I just don't think they address the needs and we've discussed the needs ad nauseum and that's on the blue line and it continues to struggle. And we saw it against Vancouver. It was horrendous in their own end. And people who have 
played the game like Mark Mathot and Jason York, who have been senators, go, they need to fix the back end here. Nobody understands exactly what's going on. I don't know if it's coaching. There has to be some part of it because I think at some part you got to try and fix it. But uh, it's a personnel issue, if you ask me. Yeah, so you mentioned the, the blue line, and that was one of the big question marks coming into the season was can Jake Sanderson make that next step and make this blue line, you know, a competitive um, hockey team and, or help it become a competitive hockey team. Do you see them addressing that anytime soon? God, I I would hope, but uh, and g- good for Jake Sanderson. He's looked phenomenal. I think he's been very good. Uh, I suspect at some point, though, through this season, he is going to have a bit of a letdown or letdown games only for the simple fact of they've never, he's never played 82 games in a season, much like Tim Stutzla had at the end of his first year, never played a full season of NHL hockey. And you see the drop off just because of the exhaustion factor. But for right now, Jake Sanderson is every bit the best defenseman on that blue line. Uh, what I guess the way you see him in the lineup right now, it's tough to say Thomas Shabbat isn't, but there's something off with Shabbat's game. And maybe that's just not having a partner uh, on a consistent nightly basis. But addressing that blue line is paramount. I just don't know if you do it now, you're going to have to overpay because everybody knows you want a blue liner and you're going to have to overpay to do it. So patience is not a virtue of Sens fans, but it's a virtue you've got to have as a GM. I, I think they wait. I don't think there's any kind of decision anytime soon that's drastic. Do they bring in somebody off a waiver wire or potentially a a bottom six D guy? Yeah, maybe, but that's not going to be what's going to fix this blue line. Yeah, now I'm going to transition over to the positives because there are some positives for this sense organization. (laughs) What kind of impact is called Giroux having a young group like the sense? Huge. Uh, And it's not just his on-ice production, which has been very good, uh, even with a fluky goal that he scored outside the blue line. But his on-ice presence and leadership is paramount to this organization continuing to further on uh, and to take that next step, if you will. He is a fiery competitor. He's like a Daniel Alfredson, ultimate competitor, hates to lose at anything. He is a bona fide superstar. He has done it all. He has not won a Stanley Cup, but he's been to a cup final. He competes every night and does it. He's a guy that was never given anything. If we remember correctly, he was passed over in the OHL draft, partially because he had mono into his into his draft year, but he ended up having to go to the queue. He's used to being looked at as perhaps someone on the fringe but he has proven time and time again, a valuable all-star. I, his impact will be felt for years, probably from this organization. Well, Brent, uh, thank you for taking the time to chat with me and hopefully we can, uh, we can have you on again in the future when we have a, maybe a Stanley cup team around here in Ottawa. <laughs> well, then, so we're not talking this year is what you're telling me. Well, you never know, right? You only never know. <laughs> <laughs> you reach out anytime. I appreciate it. Thank you. With Bobby Thanks, Ryan. Brian. You can find that podcast wherever you find your podcasts. Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you're listening to this one now. You can find you can find Coming In Hot in there as well. A uh, little recap about the interview. I enjoyed talking to Brent. I Like I said last week when I talked to Dave Festchuk, it's nice to get a reporter's point of view on things when they're so close to the team. Brent obviously had a funny answer uh, to my question about what he would do if, or what the Sens should do with their current situation. Um, I, I don't know what they should do. You know, is, is firing the coach a little bit 
too harsh. I don't know. He's been there for a long time, but maybe that could work. This team has been, you know, the last time they were in the playoffs was 2017, 2016, excuse me. They went all the way to the conference finals. It was pretty impressive. But since then, they've been in the rebuild. And the Atlantic is not going to stop anytime soon. The Atlantic division, I mean. And you've got the Leafs in there who are, you know, constantly over 100 points. Boston, who every time we think is going to take a step back, they go out there and have record seasons. Tampa's still very good. Florida's still good. Uh, Detroit is on the rise. So you got to start winning some games, and you got to start banking these points. They have an ugly record in November. I think over the last three years, they've won less than 10 games in November that that can't happen you got to bank these points early and as soon as possible because god forbid you get an injury and you need a couple games just to you know recoup if you don't have those points banked you're going to be in big trouble I like what the Sens did in the offseason you know bringing in Tarasenko bringing in a guy like Corpusalo and yes a long-term deal but that's what you got to pay for goaltenders nowadays you have another year, Chikrin, who's a little bit more comfortable, and Tim Slutsla is still being, he's going to be that 80-point, 90-point guy that he proved that he could be last year. You know, could we get a little bit more from Shabbat? Maybe. Could we get a little bit more from Giroux? I don't know. He's a veteran. He's been around the league for a while. So I think, like Brent says, that, you know, that aura and that motivation and just that presence that he brings in the room is a little bit more of what Giroux can offer. That's it for this week on NHL in a Nutshell. We will be back again in the next couple weeks. Hopefully we'll have some good NHL topics to discuss. Make sure you hit that subscribe button so you get notifications when a new episode is out. I am your host, Hunter Miller, and I will see you next time.